Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Vaz Brand, co-founder and chief growth officer at Nordgreen. And I'm going to pull a short clip here from the website, which you can find, by the way, at www.nordgreen.com. Nordgreen is a watch brand which blends Scandinavian minimalism with fine craftsmanship of a leading Danish designer who has previously worked with Bang and Oliverson and other major design brands. Based in Copenhagen, Nordgreen created more than a mere watch. Each of our timepieces has a unique story, inspired by local design for sustainability and warm generosity. So there you go. And that interview with Vaz to come, I... I really enjoyed it. We talk about what makes a sustainable watch, what it takes to get a watch brand off the ground, and sometimes just taking a leap of faith can really pay off. But before we get to Vaz, don't forget to check out the show notes at Menswear Style, www.menswearstyle.co.uk, and we're on the social at Menswear Style. And if you want to tell us about your brand and your journey, you can email the show at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. Okay. Ah, let's get to it. This is a good one, and I hope you enjoy it. Here is that interview with Vaz Brand, co-founder and chief growth officer at Nordgreen. Well, it's my great pleasure to introduce Vaz Brand, co-founder and chief growth officer at Nordgreen. I do hope I got your name right, Vaz. How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> more or less more or less thank you very much i'm i'm doing very well thanks i'm doing very well awesome Baz. please for the uninitiated you just gave me a, a thumbnail sketch of you off mic but if, if we can do it for the audience and let us know a bit more about nordgreen please sure so uh yeah my name is Vasily uh brand and i'm one of the uh the co-founders of uh, of nordgreen which is a, a danish designer watch company that we uh, founded back in uh, back in 2017 um, so basically, it's, it's a brand that uh, that has two main foundations, which is um, Danish design and sustainability, which is also reflected in the in the name Nordgreen. Um, Nordgreen in itself is actually a, a Danish surname, so people are called Jacob Nordgreen and Simon Nordgreen and whatever in in Denmark. But when you read it in English, you see two words: you see Nord and you see Green. And, uh, and that's kind of the two pillars that exactly uh, represent the brand, as I mentioned before. Nord in Danish means, uh, we, we pronounce it Nord, and that means North, which represents our Nordic heritage and, and our Nordic design story. And Green, the second part of the name, then represents the sustainability uh, part of it, as, as just mentioned before. And it's also reflected now in our, in our logo. Uh, we have a little logo mark on top of the word mark, which is kind of, uh, it looks like a leaf, uh, ah. which represents the sustainability, but it's also an arrow pointing to the North. So, um, very cool. So, uh, so kind of the, the name, the name tells the story of the brand and that's kind of the overarching story of it. Nice. Positioning of it. Yeah. And talk to me a, a little bit how you got this off the ground and the people that are involved, the, the concept to market, please tell us a little bit about the journey. Yeah. So we started the, 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 the company again back in 2017. I, I lived in the UK back then. Um, now I'm in, I'm in Copenhagen, Denmark, but living in the UK, working for a company called The Hut Group, which is kind of an e-commerce incubator that has a lot of brands within health, uh, fashion, and, and beauty. Um, and uh, and yeah, before that, I lived in, in, a, in a couple of countries uh, all around Europe. But the, the initial idea of kind of, of building the company actually came all the way back in 2010 when, uh, when I studied at, at the university. Um, 
where um, my very good friend uh, Pascar and 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 I uh, yeah studied together and talked about building a company uh, at some point. And this so, is in uh, Berlin. This was in this was in Denmark actually. So that was oh, when right. I started my university journey. But I, I lived in Berlin later on, uh, doing a doing a master's master's degree in 2012 13. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, we we then we we talked about starting a company together, and we just never you know, did it. We continued our studies, and then we finished our studies, and we both got professional jobs. Uh, he, he worked in McKinsey and in the consulting business, and I worked in, 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 in the UK at the, the HUD Group. And in 2017, we just said, you know what, <laughs> our careers might be quite interesting and you know very intellectually stimulating, but we've just always had 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 this dream of, of starting our own thing and. In 2017, we decided to to quit our jobs, and as part of that journey, Pascar then the, one of the co-founders talked to one of his colleagues uh, called Christian about him quitting to 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 start this journey. And then uh, Christian decided to also uh, he was also in the process of quitting actually to start his own company. And we decided to just merge the whole thing, and that's how the three of us got together together and, and built this company. Wow! And so, did you all? simultaneously quit your jobs and take a leap of faith with this or was there already backing and was there already kind of some financial security with Nord Green at the time? There was no, there was pure leap of faith. There was no backing. <laughs> there was no financial security. Wow. We, had, we all had our, our savings and uh, we said, you know what, let's just dedicate uh, everything we have to this uh, and then uh, cross our fingers and hope for the best. Um, Kind of we had we had a clear idea of what we wanted to do. We we all had the same passion and the same enthusiasm for the project, and uh, we we decided to uh, to uh, to just go for it. Then, of course, early on, we we looked for for the initial funding because building a company which you want to grow really fast um, requires capital. Uh, so so we did we did start that journey after we 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 kicked off the project, but we didn't secure any funding until uh, a couple of, of, of months uh, into into the business. Wow. Now, Faz, you'll have to take me because if I said to my girlfriend that I'm going to quit everything that I'm doing and I've got a great idea, I, I think <laughs> I think a few stern, <laughs> there'll be blood and feathers in this house, I'll tell you about it. So what were the reactions of the people around you when you, when you decided to make this choice? I mean, they were like, you know, they, they, they thought I was, I was stupid. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm not, 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 not stupid, because they, you know, it was a big risk. We, everyone involved in this project, we had um, really kind of exciting jobs, very kind of comfortable salaries, and uh, we're happy with what we were doing. But, you know, we, the three of us just had this, these butterflies in our stomach that we just wanted to, to start a company at some point. And, I mean, some, of course, a lot of people just sort of thought us cool you know just giving up everything just to go for it and and that was the, the feeling that we had we didn't we didn't look back we didn't look negative on it we uh, we uh, we kept our heads high and 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 just uh, and just just went for it and, and i mean you- again we we all we, we we all had kind of in the back of our minds that you know it is a big risk and if if we fail uh, after a year or two or three you know we probably lost a lot both financially and also career wise we could have grown elsewhere um but I mean, to us, you know, the worst thing that can happen was was really to to go back and get a, a job again. Um, right. Um, but yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, still, it's it's quite the leap of faith, as you say. And was it for always sure. for sure? So you, the three of you got together and you said you wanted to work on a thing. Was it always going to be watches in the back of your mind, or were there other options in the hat, other projects that you could have gone down? I mean, there's been a lot of projects. I mean, if you look all the way back to. Uh, 
to uh to when i when we studied together uh pascar and i and even i mean before that i you know i i did a lot of small projects back in elementary school and high school so you know i've always had this entrepreneurial kind of gene in 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 me but um if we, if we go back to the university time where we really discussed this on, on a serious basis, yeah, there's been a lot of projects that, we, that we've had in, in mind that we wanted to to launch, ranging from um, vegan vegan nutrition to we had an idea regarding a fashion company, and then the watches came up, and we then decided to at the end to move on uh, move on with the watches because that was where we had kind of the the biggest passion. Um, it's funny because both Pascar, myself, and Christian, we, we, uh, with our first bonus and our first watch uh, and our first jobs, we bought a watch, kind of. So ah. the passion has, has has always has always been there, um, and the interest has always been there. And then when we dived a bit deeper into it, we also, yeah, concluded that it was actually also a pretty good business opportunity. Um, so passion combined with opportunity was the perfect fit for us, and that's why we decided to move into that that direction interesting and i think all entrepreneurs will have different ideas it's just a discipline isn't it of focusing and nailing down one idea that they can work on i'm not calling myself an entrepreneur by any means but i've had a dozen of ideas that i've never been able to get off the launch pad i think everyone's had their idea of launching a t-shirt brand at one stage so there's always some guys that have got boxes and boxes of t-shirts before <laughs> on demand came on and it's all taking up storage in your dad's garage, right? I remember doing one on uh, a concept called con artists and I got my mum to draw all of these different famous con artists during the years, like the guy that sold the Eiffel Tower three times. Um, you know, so we had like the picture of him on the front of the t-shirt and the idea of it being a pencil sketch was where the artist came in. Anyway, <laughs> never got off the ground. Um, let's talk about Nord Green instead. That's more interesting. <laughs> talk to me a bit about the, um, the sustainability aspect. So when I was on the website, which people can find, by the way, nordgreen.com, there seems to be a real big subtext of the sustainability infused into the brand, you know, entrenched into the philosophy. Uh, maybe you can tell me what a sustainable watch is and how you make this a sustainable watch. Absolutely. So it's not just about creating a sustainable watch. It's about creating a sustainable concept. So in general, we are positioned as a Danish design company or a Scandinavian design company. And especially Danish design companies, I mean, you can't create a Danish design company without thinking sustainability first. If you look at any historical successful Danish design designer brands, whether it's uh, uh, brands doing furniture, you know, tables, or chairs, or couches, or kitchen equipment, or, or speakers, um, they're always made of really, really good materials. It's really, really high quality. So it's it's product that's products that really, really last a lifetime. Um, and that's sustainability in, in its essence, right? Durability equals sustainability. The less waste you have, the more sustainable the product basically is, you can say, right? So Danish design, not Danish brands, Danish designer brands are notoriously sustainable. So we knew from the beginning that if we wanted to do a, a Danish design company, we just have to be sustainable. We have to think sustainability first in the product. Uh, but we also wanted to take it to the next level and go beyond the product itself to then be the most sustainable watch brand out there, both within the Nordic design kind of umbrella, but also on an overall level. And um, I mean, you can do this in, 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 a, in a lot of ways. Nordgreen's vision is to pioneer the next wave of responsible Danish design. 
When we say next wave is because Danish design, just as mentioned, is responsible or sustainable. We want to bring it to the next wave or pioneer the next wave by go beyond the product. And so, so you can make a sustainable uh, product by, of course, using sustainable materials. Uh, you can have sustainable, you know, have sustainable manufacturing pro uh, practices and procedures, which we, which we of course do. But you can also do everything around it in a, in a very sustainable and responsible way. In, in the case of Norgreen, as an example, we uh, we actually started off back in the days with a giving back program, which was a responsibility program that allowed our customers to donate to a cause of their choice. So when people bought a watch, they could go to our website, go into the giving back program, oh, then into cool. the, then into the serial number, which which is on the backside of the watch, to then into kind of the sustainability portal we've built, or responsibility portal, to then. Uh, to then donate to one of three courses of their choice for free. It's a part of the purchase price. And since the beginning, we've worked with three par partners really closely to support health, education, and environment. And that's the three courses that consumers can then choose. Um, the first course, uh, health, is basically to, to provide two months of clean water to a family in the Central African uh, Republic. Uh, education is to provide one month of free education to, uh, to a family in, uh, in uh, sorry, to, to a child in, in India. And the, um, the environmental part of it is to preserve 50 square meters of rainforest in, in Latin America. And we're doing this with, with, uh, with three partners um, who we've, again, been working with since the very beginning. And this program is still available, and that's how, kind of how we, we kicked off the responsibility journey. And then since, since, yeah, and then since that, we've, we've, of course, expanded, right? So our packaging is fully sustainable. The box is made of FSC-certified cardboard. But the inner part of it is made of made of upcycled uh, plastic bottles. So it's made of felt, which is made of upcycled plastic bottles. In our case, so the boxes also gives this fully sustainable kind of experience. Usually, when you buy, especially watches and jewelry, you get boxes with this foam, this black foam that looks very luxurious and expensive, but it is just poisonous to the planet. So, kind of, it might look good and feel nice, but it's actually not very good, uh, at least for the environment. And you know, so we we, we turn that around and. We 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 do, we we uh, all of our shipping partners they offset their their uh, their their CO two uh, their CO two footprint. We are as an office CO two neutral, and um, you know just things like that. So we go way beyond the product itself to make sure that we are sustainable and responsible across all avenues of the business, but also the, the supply chain as a whole. Brilliant, awesome. Well, I, I love that the the charity element of that because so many times when I see on websites, and this isn't to denigrate anyone else's ideas, but you'll have the option of donating, say, ten percent to a charity, and it's often the charity that the founders chosen, or some that it might be a charity that is not even close to your heart, but you feel like you're giving it away to some kind of black hole or an abyss somewhere, you know, <laughs> which is yeah. all well and good for that charity, but it's not really something that motivates you to buy anything, but having the optionality and also seeing where it's going. I think that's a really big, nice, big bonus. Good USP. That's Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the biggest problem is transparency in many cases, right? Brands, they, they, they say that a percentage, a certain level of, of the, the purchase goes to a certain cost, but what it actually is, you know, it's not always clarified. So, in our case, we we are completely tangible in regards to what actually is going to happen, and then we also give the customer the choice to choose a cost that's close to his heart. And when the interesting part is also that when you when you then select a partner and you do the donation, then you can always log in again with that serial number to then follow the progression of. Oh. The so we have kind of a landing page, and the story will always be connected to that watch. Which means if you, if you sell it in the future to somebody, whatever as a second hand, 
then that person can then log in to see what the first cost customer chose to donate to as part of his purchase. So there's always a store connected to the watch. That's nice. Cool yeah. That's nice. It reminds me of when I sponsored a tiger called Rocky. Uh, what was it? <laughs> One of these Greenpeace things. But it was really cool. They kept on sending me little letters on behalf of Rocky. Like, oh, thanks for the £10, Pete. I've had a nice lump of steak today. Um, tomorrow I'll go out in the hills and do this and that. I was like, oh. That's really cool. I get to see where my, t- my ten pounds getting postcards yeah. from different parts of South Africa. Exactly. I mean, that's that's continuously updating, right? And that's just brilliant. Yeah. Even if you have a humorous element to it, it's it's all part <laughs> of the journey. <laughs> yeah. Maybe tell me about some of the designs and what, uh, other than the sustainable element, what's actually going on within the watch that makes this different, or uh, perhaps distinguishes this watch from other watches in the market right now. So, I mean, the most important part for us in the, in the beginning of the journey was to, again, position ourselves as a true Danish design company. And that meant we had to hire a very, very good designer because neither myself or Pascal Christian were designers. We are just entrepreneurs who want to build a you know, beautiful watch company and that, are, that, that is also, of course, responsible. Um, so we had to, to recruit a designer and we wanted to really get kind of the best of the best. So we reached out to all the top uh, Nordic designers uh, in the world and... Um, ended up uh, basically creating a, a very close partnership with uh, Jacob Wagner, who is also, yeah, he was one of the lead designers and at Bang & Olufsen as an example, um, if you know Bang & Olufsen is a, you know, the Danish, the Danish speaker company that's very, very exclusive, provides, uh, produces very high quality uh, products. And he uh, basically uh, designed the entire headphone series as an example, which, you know, I just see no matter where I go in the world, whether I'm traveling and, Germany or Japan or the US or even in South America, I just see those headphones everywhere. So, you know, he really makes kind of classical um, type, uh, products or designs that really last a lifetime. He's worked a lot of in the fashion, sorry, not fashion industry, but in the furniture industry, doing furniture for huge brands like uh, Capellini and Moroso and, you know, the, 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 the Italian, Italian brands, but has also done Danish design brands such as Montaigne and, and, um, and hay and, and, and the other big ones and coming out of Denmark. So kind of the design story is very complete now. And I think in the sense that you actually buy a watch made by Jacob Wagner, which is not just a standard designer. He's one of the best designers in the world, uh, even having a, a fixed ex- exhibition at MoMA in New York City as well. So that's kind of the main thing. You really buy you really buy a genuine Danish design product. But at a price point, that's not different to you know all the others out there You know within the kind of fashion and design segment we, we're not priced uh, any higher and yet you still get the design store and you also get the the, the sustainability of it um, from a product perspective jacob has designed uh, four designs so far uh, the native the philosopher the infinity and the pioneer and we're launching a new uh, model just in a week uh, in a week one and a half week uh, which is uh, exclusively 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 for women called uh, the unica which is very exciting um, but the others have already been launched and have been live more or less since uh, since the beginning. Uh, Native Philosopher and Infinity were launched from the very first day, and then the Pioneer came on a bit more than uh, than a year uh, later. And the first three models. Uh, sorry, Colin. No, no. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to ask: Was the Pioneer the one that won the Red Dot Award? Correct. Yeah, the Pioneer won the the Red Dot Design Award in uh, in in two thousand and uh, and twenty, which was uh, which was very exciting. Really so, big um, deal, right? I mean, I've I've been yeah. to the Red Dot Museum in Singapore, and okay. for people that have never heard of it, it's it's purely 
an exhibition based on design. So you can go down there and see robots conducting orchestras, playing table tennis against each other. It's it's almost like you're just walking into the future. And I yeah. Well, anyway, I just saw the I saw the, uh, the the red dot award, and I was like, wow, that that is pretty big news considering. With all due respect, you've only been going for a couple of years to to even be considered for this is let alone win it. I think it was pretty special. So congrats. It was very special, and we're very proud of that. That was that was a pioneer design, which uh, which was launched, which was our, our latest design that was that was launched. And the, the pioneer, pioneer is the first kind of gender specific watch we've had. That was kind of it was designed for men, but of course women can still buy it and wear it if they want a bit more chunky watch. But the first three designs we created, the native plus fun infinity, they actually all unisex. Right. Um, so, so, so they, you know, they they are they are sold to 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 both uh, genders. We've moved in infinity more towards women because we could just see that the vast majority who bought it were actually women. Um, but the other, the the philosopher and, and the native, they are purely uh, purely um, unisex. And even though they are unisex, the expressions of the watches can still be very kind of gender specific because we have these. Uh, quick release strap functionalities which means you can easily quick re- uh, release the the straps and change them with others so a lot of our customers they buy you know two three five straps so they can have a lot of different expressions when they when they when they swap them uh, for the watch case itself so it's we can see that you know a lot of the women they buy you know the mesh band so they buy the the, the five piece link links uh, all they like where a lot of men they buy the leather they buy the rubber they buy the nylon uh, and the watches just look very, very different depending on which strap you're wearing. And, you know, and then of course, women, they're more inclined to buy the rose gold and the gold cases and the males, they're more inclined to buy the silver and the gun metal. We have four different case colors. So even though the watches, some of them are, are unisex, they can still be kind of tailored to individual genders. That's interesting. Can you put, I, I saw a lot of your, your watches and your watch straps, I should say on, on the website. Can if I had my own watch strap, like my own kind of NATO one that I just took off my Amiga James Bond watch, for example, can I switch that onto one of the pioneers? Is it does it work that way? If it's right, if it's the right size, then 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 yes, we do have completely standard uh, kind of uh, case widths. So, so our locks they are you know they have a twenty um, they are they're twenty millimeter uh, in, 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 in 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 distance or eighteen or sixteen. So it's very you know they can really be used across uh, most. Uh, together with most standard straps out there so if you buy a if you have a 20 millimeter uh, strap for your amiga watch you can certainly use it on our pioneer yes i should say i don't actually own the amiga watch but you know <laughs> <laughs> i could always dream <laughs> they are nice though they are very nice <laughs> what was the watch that you bought when you said that you and your your co-founder friend bought a watch together at the same time i'm curious which one was it, it was it was actually an old amiga an old amiga seamaster from it was the one that was in, I think it was James Bond, Golden Eye. So uh, from that ah. movie, so you know, you know, they they changed over time. So I, I yeah. bought an old one from the old, from uh, the old three hundred. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think I think they're I think they're much cooler than the new ones. Uh, there's a bit more story to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got one of the most famous Danish people in the Bond films, right? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen rocks up in Casino Royale. He he blew that out of the water, by the way. I'm Absolutely. Mad, yeah. Mads, he's amazing. He would be, uh, I mean, I would love to have him as an ambassador for North Green. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get that one day. It'll be perfect. Or, <laughs> um, be perfect. or Vigo Mortensen. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Vigo, just... Vigo Mortensen, he's great. And Nikolai, Nikolai Costa Veldau as well. I mean, those three, they are, yeah, some of our prime. Do a one, Prime two, three targets. on that. 
<laughs> I'm just, I was crazily Rolodexing through my mind then for famous Norwegian people. My brain just went into <laughs> this huge spasm. <laughs> yeah, so, um, we, we, do, we, we do work more and more with, uh, with Danish kind of actors and celebrities and, uh, and, and, and launching collab designs with them. We're actually doing this on a global scale. Well, for all of our all of our core markets, but as an example, just recently we just launched a watch together with, uh, yeah, I, I guess he's the most popular uh, musician in Denmark. He's called Christopher. He's also very big in Asia, where we also have a, a quite strong presence. Right. Um, and uh, we did a watch with him. It was the North Green X Christopher collection, created in partnership with the World Child Cancer Organization. So, as an example, for every watch we're selling of that collection, we donate one round of chemotherapy to a child in a developing country. Wow. So. With these collabs that we are, you know, developing together with 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 the A-list actors, musicians, or whatever it is, always have a, a partner connected to them as well, and uh, that goes beyond the giving back program we talked about earlier. So, uh, yeah, just just an example of, of something we have done that's, with celebrities in the past. That's very cool. Buzz, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Maybe we talked about celebrities and potential great brand ambassadors that you have. How much attention do you pay to say social media influencers, and you know, obviously. With a lot of startup watch brands, I think they turn to social media to leverage some traffic and gain attention for their for their brand. Do you actually have the same approach? Do you do you look at social media in that way? Is it something that you can utilize? Yeah, certainly. We 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 are very present on on, on social media, uh, both through uh, advertising, uh, organic uh, posting, but also through uh, through influencers. I would say influencers is something, you know, it's, it's, it's a marketing channel, right? But it's a channel that has changed substantially in the past five to seven years. If you build a company back in 2013, 14, um, and kind of leveraged the influencer marketing channel, it was just a gold, it was gold rush, right? I mean, right. You had, I've heard of brands who worked with one influencer and based on you know, a few posts, they sold more than 50,000 units, which is just, you know, just ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> so you had a lot of brands, you, you had a lot of brands back then that just grew like, uh, like crazy because they just used influencers. And back then everything was very organic because influencers were actually really excited about getting free products. So when they talked about it in their posting and all that, it was very organic. It was very truthful. It was very natural. Right. And, and, and the followers, they, they bought it because one of their favorite influencers were wearing it, and and it was it was it was um, yeah it was trust it was it had a high level of trustworthiness. But I think in the past, especially in the past just three to four years, the industry has changed a, a lot and become very much commercialized. Right back in the days, you could get huge influencers posting for you just for a free product, and now you have to pay ten grand for it every time if you want to want a big one or even more. Right, we've had quotes of fifty thousand dollars for a post, and even more than that. So wow. it's gotten really expensive. But the trust between the influencers and and, and 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 the followers has also decreased because the followers just knows that most of these things are commercial now nowadays, and because of that, it's just not organic in the same way as it was in the past. So, from you a get Mads Mickelson cheaper than fifty grand a post, surely. Lars <laughs> <laughs> Van yeah. Trier can do it for ten k. I know that much. Lars Van Trier, yeah, he, yeah, he would be interesting to use. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty yeah. grand, cheapers. I'm missing it's, out. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, right? Um, so, so nowadays it's just become really expensive, and that's why we do, of course, use it, and we do we use the channel heavily, but we don't see it as a kind of a very strong conversion channel. We don't see a lot of transaction coming through. I mean, compared right. to back in the days, where you at least got like. 
five, 10 or 20 sales per like influencer you, you use nowadays is just that the numbers are often very much lower, especially in our case, because our products are a bit more expensive, right? You pay more than $200 for every product. And usually people just want to do a bit more research and maybe even see in stores before buying. So we use the channel, but it's more for, more for brand awareness, just to keep the watch out there, make sure people, they see it in other people's wrists through social media channels, but we don't use it as kind of a, a, a strong sales channel. Right. Okay. And as you're our direct consumer, uh, I don't believe you've got any bricks and mortar at, at this stage. You know, we any... do, but we not do. our own stores. It's through third party stores. Yeah. I see. Um, yeah. How do you try and gain exposure for the, for the website and the e-commerce store? What, do, what are your main tools outside of the social media? <clears throat> so, I mean, we use all the traditional marketing channels. So just as you mentioned, social media, both organic and paid, but we'd also use uh, search in, in, in different countries. Obviously, Google search advertising is the biggest uh, in the world, but we also use Yahoo in certain markets where Yahoo has a good presence and even Bing. So we do search marketing all over the place. We do a lot of shopping. So as an example, Google shopping, where you can see the products on the top of the, just, just below, actually uh, on the top of the page when you search for something. We use quite a bit of dis- display advertising. So as an example, when you go read the news on BBC or any other big media in the UK, you often see a few ads here and there following you. Um, we also also use uh, use that a lot. Um, we use email marketing to kind of continuously reaching out to our existing uh, email subscribers and, and past customers. Um, we're getting really strong when it comes to search engine optimization as well. So right. uh, we, you know, people also find us organically depending on, depending on what they search for, but now we're really ranking high in a lot of keywords uh, within the watch industry. Primarily keywords that, of course, relevant to us because that's what we want to rank for. But also a lot of kind of long tail keywords that doesn't have direct direct link to Danish Design Watch Company, but still kind of to Watch Company, and then we still kind of show up. So we're getting quite right. strong on, on on that as well. Um, <clears throat> we're quite strong on affiliate marketing as well. So uh, using a few different affiliate networks all around the world. So you know different um, comparison platforms they they use us and and things like that. We work a lot with blogs and uh, magazines, uh, both online and offline, but primarily online because we are, yeah, uh, D2C, yeah. e-com driven. Um, we push PR quite a bit, uh, did that especially the first two years. The past year we haven't that much, but we, we, we will continue with it, especially end of year when we hopefully had a very good result. Um, so we, we really, we, we, we explore the, yeah. the full spectrum of, of marketing and we really do it also on a local level. So. You know, the advertising we do for customers in South Korea are very different to the advertising we do for customers in the U.S. What we do for the U.S. is actually very different to Germany, even though you might not think that Germans and Americans are maybe maybe an overall level that different culturally. So we really localize everything that uh, that we can, both from a marketing perspective, but also from a website perspective. Baz, I feel like we could do another hour on how you managed to pull the strings for all this and the sort of research and the way you have to market this product. But it's a, it's a great watch. Thanks for talking so much about it and giving us so many colorful answers. And best of luck with the launch next week. Perhaps it's already out by the time we get this podcast out, more than likely. But people can check out the watches at nordgreen.com and also on Instagram, uh, nordgreenofficial, so that people can tag along and follow the journey there but it's been great to yeah. talk to you thanks so much for taking time out your sunday thanks for inviting me it was a pleasure well how about that 
I could have talked to Vaz for hours, mainly about the films of Mads Mikkelsen and Viggo Mortensen, but another podcast, another time. In the meantime, make sure you're checking out The Good Guys. Head over to nordgreen.com and treat yourself or your loved one to a good-looking design-led watch. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, do leave us a review on your smartphones. It helps our egos. And until next time. 